Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. Today, we're kicking off a month devoted to a most pleasing shape, round. We'll put these tasty circles to the test with all sorts of delicious options, from candies to bagels, pies, and bunt cakes. But first, we know many of you are gearing up for some hardcore holiday baking, and we want to make sure your pantry's ready to deliver all the goodies and staples you depend upon. So gather around, pour yourself some coffee, and get ready for some sweet talk. Andrea, it's November, it's here, it's our birthday months, and it is our anniversary month. We wanted folks to know that there is still just a little time before our official 100th episode. If you hadn't yet have a chance to weigh in on the Facebook group about your favorite recipe that you've made over the last 99 episodes or one that you're really intrigued to tackle in the future, you can weigh in on the Facebook page. If you're not on Facebook, you can send us an email. We are hosts with an S, H-O-S-T-S at preheatedpodcast.com. And excitingly, you can also leave us a voicemail. And the number to call is operators standing by 802-276-0788. So once again, 802-276-0788. And that is a voicemail. You can leave us a short and sweet voicemail there and let us know your favorite that way. Andrea, are you, you have any guesses how this is going to go? What do you think? I I think that um, I do have a guess, but I, I don't want to jinx anything. So I definitely have seen a theme. I've seen a certain dessert that seems to be a favorite for many people. Mm. So mm-hmm. um, let's just wait. We've only got three more episodes and we will find out what the number one recipe is that our listeners have loved to bake or have been thinking about baking over the last two years. And of course, you and I will have our own, and I'm starting to compile that list, and it's it's so hard. <laughs> it's so much fun to go through, and it is so hard. It absolutely is. We have done so many different kinds of things, and I love that. So it's going to be really a fun episode to hear from our listeners and then from you and I, because I can't wait to hear what you're going to say, too. I know. The other thing I love about November, listeners who've been with us over the last two years, you know that Stefan and I have two very special traditions. We usually start this time of year. One of those is eggnog, and the other yeah. <laughs> the other is fruitcake. So mm-hmm. our aged eggnog recipe, you can look on our website, and you can do a search for eggnog, or you can go back and listen to episode five. We talk about our eggnog. And... Stefan, I think your ideal aging time on that one was three weeks, am I correct? Yeah, I think that's right. And it's really a matter of taste preference, but that's where it comes down for my husband and I. Two, not strong enough. Four, consistency's kind of not where we want it. So we've always done three. That's why starting, you know, mid-November-ish is about, about right for when I'm ready for a nice glass of eggnog. Yes. And the reason I like it this week on, you know, the week of November 5th, I also like the three-week time frame. And I like to break out the eggnog shortly after Thanksgiving. <laughs> so oh, nice. <laughs> yes. 
Like after the meal itself or just like the day or two after? Well, after the meal itself, it's a touch heavy, but I really think the day after (laughs) is perfect. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you guys have not made homemade eggnog, I really encourage you to try it. It's really nothing like the prepared product you can find in the grocery store. It is worth making. This batch, would you agree, Andrea, it doesn't make a a, like that load. It makes a nice amount and you can kind of experiment with it, see if it's something for you and get a taste for it without feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have gallons and gallons of eggnog. No, good point. It is, I think, a perfect batch size. So again, we will link to the recipe in our show notes and we encourage you to try that out. Our other favorite thing we love to do in November is start working (laughs) with our fruitcake. (laughs) Woohoo! You and I are such champions of the humble fruitcake. <laughs> Indeed we are. Uh, Stefan and I love a good fruitcake. Again, episode five, we did a light macadamia nut fruitcake one year. Mm. I do my traditional fruitcake with my next door neighbor. That's her, from her family, which is Portuguese, and it's a much more traditional dark mm-hmm. um, rum-laden, fruit-laden, nut-laden, uh, as I like to say, boozy nut cake. It's fabulous. We are not going to be doing a fruitcake as a bake-along this year, but it is part of both of our holiday traditions. And that particular one, I love to age a solid month or two before serving it. So I think this is a good time to remind people to start thinking about their fruitcake if they want to do one. And Andrea, another tradition that I've picked up since living in England, of course, mincemeat being such a huge holiday tradition here in England. Mince pies are so prevalent in the holiday season. And Often mincemeat is made and aged in that same way that a fruitcake or eggnog actually would be. It's, of course, a combination of your dried fruit and mine has nuts as well. And then you feed it like you feed an eggnog. So you're kind of constantly adding back some alcohol to it <laughs> over the over the weeks. And that is another great one. So I've got my jar going and I'm looking forward to making lots of mince pies again. I'll never forget the day I opened my mail and had a batch of mince pies from you. <laughs> I'm I'm still convinced that the Postal Service really got a kick out of delivering mince pie from London to Olympia, Washington. Oh, I can still remember the postal man's face when I, you know, you have to fill out a customs form when you right. send international mail. And he said, what's in this? And I said, mince pies. And he just got the biggest <laughs> grin on his face. So. And they traveled quite well, I have to say. Hardy. <laughs> The other cool thing that's going on this time of year in my adopted country is something called Stir Up Sunday that takes place the last Sunday of the month, which this year is November 25th. Andrea, are you familiar with Stir Up Sunday? I only recently learned about it, and now that I've heard about it, I feel like I'm seeing it everywhere. So this is a country that loves its fruitcakes also, and Stir Up Sunday is simply a day set aside to make your fruitcake. That's traditionally served on Christmas Day, so you're giving yourself exactly a month to age that fruitcake. And I would say, Andrea, I have not had your traditional boozy fruit loaf, but this recipes that I'm coming across here and that I've eaten here are more of that dark standard fruit yes. cake. And mm-hmm. then what they do also, so you age it for a month, you're you're soaking that in alcohol over the, the weeks between now and Christmas, and then they put a very beautiful, I believe it is a fondant, it might be marzipan, but it, it could be fondant, frosting layer. And there's lots of techniques and pride taken in having a beautiful kind of snowy looking Christmas cake. Oh my gosh. That's something you do more right toward the end, obviously, once your cake has aged. So on Stir Up Sunday, I might be stirring up a cake. I might be stirring up a 
pudding. I might be stirring up more mincemeat. We'll have to see. But I'm all for a day set aside for making fruitcake. Yes, I have already warned my husband. I said, hey, just a heads up. I want to have sort of a little party here the Sunday after (laughs) Thanksgiving. And it's called Stir Up Sunday. It's something they do in England. And I think it'd be really fun to do here. And he said, oh, my gosh, that sounds like so much fun. Like, what do you do? And I said, well, the main thing you do it for is to make fruitcake. And he just glared at me. Oh, no. (laughs) He is not of the fruitcake lover tradition as we are. Perhaps you can expand Stir Up Sunday to stir up whatever you would like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You you mm-hmm. could. Yeah. Absolutely. But I love it. Well, that's reason enough for me to move home so I can be a part of your Stir Up Sunday party. <laughs> I love that. One other thing we're going to be doing in November is bringing out our book club. You know, Stefan and I love a good holiday book club. And to fit in with our theme of round this month, we picked a book by Frank Bruni called Born Round. And for those of you who have not heard of it, I think we did mention it briefly way back um, in the beginning of our show. Mm-hmm. It is uh, by Frank Bruni, who is a editor and food critic for The New York Times, and it's all about his growing up and food in his household. I think it is a fun read, and it's a you know really interestingly written, I believe, food memoir. So I haven't picked, picked it up for several years, yeah. and I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it again. Yeah, and I'll be reading it for the first time. I love food memoirs. We love food memoirs. Mm -hmm. And this one, this man seems to have had such an interesting life on his road to becoming the food critic. I love Ruth Reichel's food memoir about the time when she was the New York Times food critic, and that's called Garlic and Sapphire. So I'm looking forward to Frank's as well. Yes, you recommended that Garlic and Sapphires to me. I listened to it on an audiobook, which is not something I typically do. And I have made several recipes from that book because she ends every chapter with mm. a recipe. She does like a, a shrimp sort of sesame noodle I've made. And of course, I've made her pasta carbonara, which is yep, so good. That's my go-to. I love it. It's so funny. She'll say, if I have a lousy meal out, which of course you're going to do when you're a food critic, then I come home and I make something that's going to be delicious. And here it is. I love that. Yes. Well, Andrea, if that weren't enough in this month of celebrations, we all need to say a very happy birthday to you, my dear, who are celebrating a pretty big milestone birthday this week. Yes, it's so exciting. So I will be turning 50, which I'm very excited about. I know it's kind of fun. I have not yet decided on my birthday dessert. Mm, mm, crucial. <laughs> I know. I know. I do still have a little bit of time, and it's a busy week for me. Unfortunately, it's kind of a busy work week for me. I also have my daughter's birthday, which falls the day after my birthday. So, yes, over time, it has shifted more into being about her birthday than mine. But I'm sure I'll sneak in a, a few desserts uh, to celebrate my birthday. So, have no fear. I will have something to report back. Yes, please do. And have you, are you at the point with your daughter where you need to or want to share the birthday dessert? Is that verboten? Like how, how do you feel about that? You mean like both of us have one dessert for both of our birthdays? Like shared celebration. Yeah, no, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You're talking to the woman who, when the doctor told me because I was a, a, a scheduled birth, that the child was going to be born on my birthday, I said, oh, no, we'll need to change that. I need, <laughs> I need my own birthday. So I certainly am not, I'm not, I'm not a good sharer when it comes yeah, to that Yeah, that sort doesn't of thing. work for me. So <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, my kids' birthdays are very close together as well. And it's not, uh, it's, it's something should be your own. I, I'm down with that. So thank you. 
Thank looking you. forward to knowing what you're going to be eating for that big celebration. And happy birthday, my friend. Thank you so much. Moving on to our bake-along, this week we will be making mini peanut butter cups. This comes from a food blogger we have not used before. It's from a website called Cookie and Kate. So cute. I'm guessing the author's name is Kate. Although, how great is it if her name's Cookie? (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed. (laughs) Stefan, I think this recipe might fall under the easiest recipe and the Mm. fewest ingredients that we've ever tackled. What do you think? Yeah, I'm looking at it now, too, and it's three and then sea salt optional so that's that's maybe your fourth maybe not if you're not a if you're not a salt person so I love this round theme. We had we had kind of thought about it as a joke. I don't know. Earlier in the year we were talking about all things round and it's really opened up this great month and I love starting with peanut butter cups. Of course we just had Halloween, peanut butter cups among like top five, top five candy right. for me. Yeah, for Have sure. never made them, mm-hmm. but you know, looking at this recipe, looks pretty straightforward. What drew you to it? Actually, oddly enough, I'm not as much of a peanut butter cup lover as my husband and my daughter are. Okay. I like peanut butter. I like chocolate. I'm not loving the combo of the two, which is weird. I don't understand why I don't, but for some reason, I just don't. My sister-in-law is the same way. Yeah. I, I didn't know there was more of you in the world. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I, I'm sure you've seen I'm the same way with Nutella. Mm. I like mm. hazelnut and I like chocolate, but the two mm. together just doesn't mm-hmm. work for me. But there are options. So you might say, well, then why did you pick this recipe. So number one, I did want to make it for my husband and my daughter who absolutely love it and I've never tried homemade. Number two, this is the time of year I start hearing people already saying to me things like, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm dreading the holidays. Yes. This is feeling stressful. I can't believe we're already talking about Christmas and we haven't even had Thanksgiving yet. Yes. So I just wanted to kick off the month with something that's really super easy. And all you're going to be doing is combining the peanut butter and a little maple syrup or honey. So it's going to be, you know, more more spreadable. Yeah. Uh, then you're going to melt your chocolate. You can use, you know, regular chocolate or you can use chocolate chips. And you're going to be filling little mini muffin liners with the melted chocolate, adding a small dollop of the peanut butter mixture in the center, and then topping it off with another teaspoon of the chocolate. Freezing the candies for a couple of minutes and then putting that optional sea salt on top if you're going to use it. I definitely plan on using it. I oh, yeah. love salt. Mm-hmm. So I just thought, you know, this is easy. It's fun. Most people are going to have these ingredients in their house. And then the thing that I was most excited about when I looked at this recipe, Stefan, at the end of the recipe, did you notice all the different options she had? So many. Here's what you should do to change your peanut butter. Here's what you could do to change your chocolate. But here's how you make it vegan. Or have you considered this kind of nut butter? Yes. Tons. This is a recipe for everybody as far as I can tell. Yes, she has vegan options. She has dairy-free. She has soy-free. She has nut-free. And this is really helpful for me, too, because I do end up bringing a lot of homemade items to kids, school events, potlucks this time of year. And I am trying to do more nut-free. I have both specifically had that request from the school as well as just thinking to myself that, you know, it makes life easier for some people. So I'm thinking I'm going to try the sunflower seed butter instead of peanut butter option, which of course, I've seen sunflower seed butter on the shelves of my local co-op, but I've never bought it or eaten it. Have you ever had sunflower seed butter? 
I haven't, but I have a friend whose daughter it has a nut allergy, and that's what they eat exclusively. Yeah. It sounds like it would be delicious. It's sunflower seeds, right? Yeah, it's just ground yes, sunflower yes. seeds. Fantastic. So I'm super excited about trying it. Listeners, we will have a link to these recipes in our show notes for this episode, which is episode 98, and it will be on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as on our Facebook group, Preheated, and we hope you will bake along with us. Now, Stefan, you know my favorite time of year is fast approaching. Okay, so we already mentioned your birthday. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Is it Thanksgiving, winter solstice? I do love all of those days. What I'm talking about here is the holiday baking season. Mm, mm -hmm. Cookies, pies, candies. It's the time of year when I can spend a couple hours in my favorite room in the house, the kitchen, and not even notice the time passing. Oh, and especially when it is so gray and dreary outside, there is no time better to be indoors cuddled up next to your warm oven. Right? Although my kitchen's not really set up for cuddling. Um, But anyway, in today's segment, I wanted to spend a few minutes talking with you about my other favorite room in the house, and that is my pantry. With all of the holiday baking coming up, I wanted us to talk about our game plans for stocking the pantry so that we're ready for anyone and anything. I'm so in. Let's go. So first up, no pantry is complete without some canned goods. And at the very beginning of fall, I stock up on some canned items. One of the first things on my list is canned pumpkin. Yeah, and we definitely needed all that pumpkin in October for Pumpkin Palooza Month. I also, as you do, use it throughout the winter baking season for quick breads and muffins and overnight oats. I also find myself stocking up on coconut milk more these days. And Andrea, that's something I think you've been doing for a while. It's not only great in savory dishes like curries that I make all the time, but we've also used it in a variety of sweets on our show from ice cream to that delicious coconut tapioca pudding with mango lime. That was back in episode 72. I think tapioca is wonderful and warming year round. And I was recently out to eat and I had a tapioca custard with a passion fruit puree Mm. that I'm definitely going to need to try and recreate. Oh, yeah, that sounds so good. I also use the coconut cream to make a dairy-free whipped cream, like on top of pies. So that can come in handy. Yes. Another can I stock up on is sweetened condensed milk, which I use to make our happy people fudge. You can hear about that back in episode six. And lately, I've also been using that to make homemade dolce de leche in my instant pot. Mm -hmm. And both of those items, the fudge and the homemade dolce de leche, I am planning on giving away as holiday gifts this year. I wish you would send me a can of that. (laughs) Because I'm still in love probably too much with Nigella Lawson's No Churn Bourbon Salted Caramel Ice Cream. And so I can never have enough of that canned caramel. Speaking of all things sweet, my holiday baking always includes sugar. So I'm guessing that goes on the list as well. Oh, absolutely. Both brown and white sugar along with confectioner's sugar if you're going to be making the traditional holiday rolled sugar cookies. And don't forget the food coloring. You'll want to color that royal icing and decorate your cookies with. And here in England, we call confectioner's sugar icing sugar. I love that. It seems kind of magical. I'm also going to add Lyle's golden syrup and blackstrap molasses to my sugar list. I use Lyle's so much here in England in my homemade granola and in my son's favorite English biscuit, the flapjack, which is like a very moist oatmeal bar cookie. Mm, Yum. I love molasses in those gingerbread cookie bars we made back in episode 57 last holiday season. And uh, traditional gingerbread is a true weakness of mine too. So 
I especially love molasses has just that rich, hearty flavor. This time of year, it feels exactly right. And unlike many other sweeteners, it's a good source of iron, calcium, magnesium, and vitamin B6. (laughs) I mean, basically, it's a health food. So... Next up, obviously, flour is a must. Personally, for me, I, at the beginning of the holiday season, pick up the two-pack of 10-pound bags of organic flour from my local Costco, Mm. whereas normally I would only be buying, you know, five-pound bags in the regular grocery store. I also get a stock of good old-fashioned rolled oats. Those come in handy with the crumble topping I'm obsessed with putting on top of my pies. Oh, yeah. Listen back to episode 91, Just Peachy, if you want to hear me rave about that. I also use the oatmeal for those peanut butter oatmeal bars we made back in episode 43. And that's something that slices and travels really well. So they're a good thing to bring to a holiday potluck. If you don't have a lot of storage space and you're thinking, you know, I don't have room for 20 pounds of flour, I suggest you shop in the bulk section of your grocery store where you can pick up the flour, the sugar, the oats in the amounts that work best for you and then just supplement as you need them. And don't forget graham crackers or, in my case, rich tea biscuits and ginger nuts. I'll be using those in pie and cheesecake crusts. And my holiday baking is not complete without one more special ingredient, Andrea. Chocolate. My favorite. Living here in London, I've learned to stock up on my semi-sweet chocolate chips when I visit the States, and I deny entry to any visitor who does not have at least one bag for me in their suitcase. Just kidding. Kind of. (laughs) I use those in everything, so muffins, brownies, fudge, toffee, cookies, buckeyes, you name it. But Andrea, it might surprise you to know that Hershey's cocoa powder is something I also need friends and family to send me, or I stop at the American food store to stock up. I use that in cakes, like the amazing moist chocolate cake we featured last January in episode 61.5, as well as brownies, cookies, and of course, hot cocoa. Oh yeah, that's the best way to warm up a cold and rainy day. Um, Speaking of chocolate, I also use white chocolate chips for those blizzard blondies we baked and reviewed back in episode 55. Oh yeah, those are great, and they're so seasonal and pretty. Yes, yes, with the white chocolate, the red cranberries, and then the green pistachios. Moving on to slightly healthier items, holiday time is when I also check my dried fruits and nuts. So I'm talking cranberries, blueberries, sultanas, currants, apricots, walnuts, pecans, macadamia nuts, almonds, and hazelnuts. They all have a place in my holiday baking plans, especially when it comes to fruitcake and mincemeat, which we talked about at the top of the show. Sweetened coconut is another item I need this time of year. Though I mentioned back in episode 96 when we were making that luscious coconut pumpkin chiffon pie, that's been a little harder to come by in London. I know. But don't forget the marshmallows. I know you can get those, and you'll need those for the happy people fudge as well. And of course, no holiday baking is complete without spices. As I mentioned back on episode 94, you want to start off by checking your pumpkin pie spice, which you'll use in everything from pie to scones to pumpkin smoothies. And then you'll want to check out those other holiday staples, cinnamon, allspice, ginger, nutmeg, and cloves. When it comes to extracts, vanilla is high on my list. I use it in almost everything. Oh, definitely. And I also love vanilla bean or vanilla bean paste, which has a more intense flavor, and it can be a good time to stock up on that as well. Indeed. I went to my local spice store last week to stock up on my vanilla beans. They had a pack on the counter of four beans. Would you like to guess the price, Stefan? Oh, that doesn't sound good. Um, I feel like I'm playing the prices right. Thirty-eight ninety-nine. 
Uh, no, not quite that high, but still shockingly high. Four vanilla beans they were selling for $24, oh, so $6 oh. per beans. Oof. And, you know, the, the look of shock on my face, the owner of the store was so kind. She said, now you don't have to buy all four. And I said, yeah, I just was not planning on dropping 25 bucks on vanilla beans today. Whoa. So I picked up two, and we had a little chat about it. And she reminded me, I think it was last year or the year before, when vanilla extract was crazy expensive and we were all, you know, bemoaning it. And so everyone was buying the beans and making their own. Oh, yeah, soaking it in vodka. Yes. Yes. And her theory is that kind of then led to the vanilla beans all getting bought out. And so now vanilla extract is not as expensive, but vanilla beans have really gone up. Listeners, if you guys find your vanilla beans at a good price, I recommend you do stock up on those. And of course, no pantry stock up is complete without a few more uh, less exciting essentials, baking soda, baking powder, yeast, and salt. Make sure you check your dates on your yeast. We spoke about that in an earlier episode. You don't want to try and make any holiday goodies with expired yeast. Yeah. Also, don't forget a few fun items as well. On my list, I'm going to be picking up some mini muffin liners, some candy canes, some baker's twine, and some craft paper bakery bags. I also have found some new spices I'm going to try from our friends at good old King Arthur. I got an email yesterday, and I looked these up, and they look so good to me. Oh. So there were three new spices they're rolling out. One is called Yuletide Cheer. Oh. And it contains cardamom, coriander, mace, allspice, nutmeg, and orange peel. Yum. Sounded so good to me. And they recommended that you use it in stolen, which Mm -hmm. listener Andrea from Munich had recently posted about making that. And also listener Robert, he also makes stolen. So Yes. I know. I think I might try that this year. The second spice that they were offering was called the Speculus Spice. Mm-hmm. Listener Lydia mentioned that she grew up on Speculus cookies at holiday time. That's right. So that's something I might want to try. And then finally, a chai spice. And I was thinking about maybe trying this. I wanted to ask you if you thought it would work in our London Frog shortbread, which we used to make, you know, an Earl with an Earl Grey tea shortbread. Yes. I was thinking about instead maybe making a chai spice shortbread, and I think you might have mentioned trying that or doing that, or had seen a recipe for that or, or something. Also, yes. it does sound familiar. I think that sounds great. I mean, that buttery shortbread base really adapted well to lots of flavors. I would give it a try. Yeah. Okay, I'm very excited about that. So, what about you? What's on your fun list? Oh, yeah, I can go nuts in those kind of stores. I particularly like, Andrea, the decorative mini tin. They're not a liner. They are, you can bake and then give in the same piece of kind of sturdy waxed cardboard. So love that. Yeah, I have two separate 100 piece <laughs> mini. Oh yeah, because they're perfect for the quick breads. And you can just pop them, you know, you, you cook it in there and then you can pop it in a little yeah, plastic bag, tie it up, and it's such a cute gift. Yeah, exactly. And I also shop for fun little glass jars actually throughout the year. They're great for gifts of spice nuts and, of course, my beloved jams, chutneys, and curds that I talked about in episodes 86 and 88. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Well, Stefan, that's it. We are flawlessly prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Always. Or at least we like to think so. Listeners, you tell us what did we miss. Shoot us an email at host at preheatedpodcast.com or post on our Facebook group and let us know about your holiday pantry staples. Well, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get the icing onto this episode. 
Next week, we'll review our homemade mini peanut butter cups and introduce a bagel recipe from one of our favorite food bloggers and cookbook authors, Alexandra Stafford. We'll also reveal some easy tricks and tips to prep ahead and save your sanity if you're planning on hosting a big holiday meal at your home this season. Thanks as always to Anne-Marie Russell for supplying our theme music. You can find Anne-Marie on Amazon or iTunes or at annemarierussell.com. And remember, you can find us and our preheated recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at preheatedpod. If you like our show, please tell a friend and consider ranking and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download our show. Until next time, I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, hosted, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions. Oh, I just love all of our new third season extra bits. <laughs>